<laughs> Amen. Wasn't that fantastic? Got some great dads around here, aren't there? Great dads involved with their kids. I like that last one. That was. <laughs> Did you notice Dad had to win? I used to win for a while, and then they got. <laughs> Pete used to get much better than me. <laughs> then I hated losing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What a great joy it is to celebrate dance. We've got a special program now for kids just out the back now. If you'd like to just hop out there for a while. We'll do that half an hour. Whoo! Wow. Heaps of them. <laughs> Heaps of them. <laughs> Fantastic. I've got a great program out the back for them today. I want to just talk about the godly father today and uh, just want to challenge us to think. Father's Day is a little different from Mother's Day, I find, when it comes to Father's Day. I find people have very, very mixed feelings on Father's Day. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the reasons why that's so. But I want to just focus particularly about godly fathers. I want to share with you five things that a godly father does. And uh, we could share a lot of things about how to be a good dad, but I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus particularly on what it means to be a godly dad. In Proverbs 13, verse 22, it says, A good man, a good man, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children or his grandchildren. So let me ask dads here today, what are you leaving as a legacy for the next generation and the one that comes after that? What memories are you leaving? What experiences are you leaving? What kind of shared uh, uh, lifestyle are you leaving? What kind of example are you leaving? What kind of financial uh, base are you leaving for your children? What are you leaving? Have you thought about this? Have you thought what you will leave for the next generation? The Bible says a godly man or a good man Leaves a, gener- uh, leaves a legacy or leaves an inheritance for his children's children. In other words, a good man is thinking not just about his children, he's thinking about the generation beyond and how he can invest in his children in such a way that the next generation benefits. In other words, God is an intergenerational God. He's always interested in the children and the grandchildren. He's interested in different generations. I want us to look at the verse in Ephesians chapter 3. And, uh, and uh, Paul is writing, he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family in heaven and earth. He's talking about there being a family which takes on a name or a nature after God. God, the heart of God, is to share what he has with others. And so God is into families in a big way. God is concerned about families. In fact, the Bible tells us that he himself desired to have a family. That's why he created man, sent him into this world, that he might have a family, that he might have a body of people that he could share all he has created with them. So God's desire is that what he has becomes ours. It's always been the heart of God. And so the Bible tells us that all families take their name or their nature or their DNA from God. He's the one who stamps his mark on them. Now, what I want to do is I want to talk just a little bit about the high calling that God has or places upon a father. Of course, both mum and dad have got an important role, but dads have a particular unique role. And today we've got some dads who are great dads. Some dads here are godly dads and great dads as well. And some perhaps today, and you've experienced something which is not like that at all, and so your heart is broken. In fact, 
Most of what's happening in our society, if you have a look at it, it boils down to the loss of fatherhood and the breakdown in families of the role of the father. Something that we've seen over the course of our life has been a deterioration in the whole understanding of what it means to be a great dad. So I want to share with you several things. I'm going to draw from the life of Jesus Christ because Jesus came to reveal to us what God the Father in heaven is like. Jesus came to make known what God is like. He came came to make known just the very heart of God. People look and say, what's God like? But when you read the life of Jesus Christ, when you look at what he did and how he worked with people, how he related to people, you begin to see the heart of God and the character of God and the nature of God. We say, well, Jesus wasn't a father. How would he know? Now listen, you can be a father just by one act, but actually be a father. And to father people, it requires a decision and a commitment that is a lifetime. So men can have a child just because they're a male, but... To be a father, it's a choice that you make. And we're going to look in the life of Jesus. We're going to see several things about Jesus. I want to share with you five things that he modeled, that he demonstrated, that show us what a godly dad is to be like. Now, there's lots of ways this outworks, heaps of ways. And I'm not going to go into all of those. I want to just share with you five things that are part of the high calling of a godly dad. Here's number one. We found it in John 14 and verse 9. John 14 and verse 9. Here's number one. The first thing that a father is called or a godly father is called is to be an example of what our Father in heaven is like. Now, that's a challenge, isn't it? The first thing that a godly father is called is to be an example of what God the Father in heaven is like. You are called to be a living example of what God is like. And so notice in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said, If I've been with you such a long time and you haven't known me yet, He said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying this. He said, if you observe my lifestyle, you observe my example, you observe the way I relate to people, you observe my priorities in life, you observe how I run my life, he said, you will see what God is like. So one of the first things that Godly Father is called to do is to represent what God is like to his family. You are called firstly to be an example. You are the first person, the first authority figure, the first male authority figure any child will see in life. And how you represent yourself, how you carry yourself, leaves a mark on that child that goes right through their life. And it will be either a very positive mark or it can be a very negative mark. When Jesus taught people to pray, he said, this is how you pray. You pray, Father in heaven. But when a lot of people use the word Father, what comes to mind is not God in heaven It's something quite different. So the first challenge for a man who's a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, the first challenge as a father is to set an example of what it means to be a godly father. In John 17, verse 6, this is what Jesus said. He said, I have expressed or manifested your nature to my followers. He said, I've shown them exactly what you are like. So when Jesus found a woman who had failed, the way he handled her, treated her with honor and dignity showed what God is like towards women. When we see how Jesus treated the people who had sinned and failed, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, they were attracted to him. Why were they attracted to him? Because he showed an acceptance, he showed an attitude to people that modeled what God is like. Never mistake religion for what God is like. Religion misrepresents God most of the time. Jesus came to make God known, to make it possible for us to see what God is like. 
And so when we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we see what God is like. Dads, one of the biggest challenges that we have in our life as a father is to represent the kindness, the goodness, the character, the love of God. So it's a tremendous challenge for us to represent what God is like, to be an example. And one of the things that turns kids off God more than anything is when you come to church and you pray and say one thing on Sunday and the rest of the week you live something quite different. It's a lifestyle God wants us to have. We've got to have a lifestyle. A lifestyle of serving God. They should hear us praying. They should see that you read your Bible. They should see that in the home that you honor your wife. It's a godly father. Godly father represents what God is like. So if we remember our first role as a godly father is to represent and make known what God's heart is like, what God thinks about people, how God views life, and to talk and share and make this known to our kids. What a great challenge that is, eh? Here's the second thing, is to lead. The second challenge of the calling of a dad is this, is to lead our children to relationship with our Father in heaven. To lead our children into relationship with our heavenly Father. Look what Jesus said in John 14 and verse 2 and 3. He says this, He said, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Now, a lot of people think that refers to some houses up in heaven. Jesus, that word mansion there literally means a dwelling place or abiding place. Jesus said, where I am, I want you to be also. Where was he? He was standing right in front of them. What was he referring to? This is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to heaven and make it possible for you to have a relationship with God the Father in heaven just like I have. He said, where I am. In other words, he's referring to the relationship he had with the Father. He said, the same relationship. The Father loves me. The Father's with me. Father talks with me. Father shows me what to do. Father directs my life. Father provides me. He said, that same relationship, he said, I want for you. And so he said, I'm going to the cross I will go to the cross and represent you. I will take the burden of sin from you. I will make it possible for you to have a relationship that you can enjoy God as a father just like I do. So the first thing he did was he modeled what the father is like. Second is he led his disciples to a relationship. He said, well, I am the way. The Bible says this, every person who receives Jesus Christ, every person who opens their heart, their life, and puts their trust in him, God gives them power to become a child of God. You do not become a child of God by being born into the world. You get to become a child of God because you've opened your life and heart to Jesus Christ who made it possible for us to come to a relationship with God the Father. Here's the third thing. What a wonderful thing. Jesus taught his disciples how to connect with God. They said, hey, how do you talk with God? Well, how do you pray? He said, this is how you pray. You pray like this. Father in heaven. He taught them about a relationship and showed them how to have it. That's the same relationship God wants you to have. A relationship where you can call God Father and you can open your heart and encounter Him, experience Him, and receive His provision for your life. Here's a third thing now. The third thing was, and found in John 14, verse 21. He said, He that has my commandments and keeps them is the one that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved of my Father. I will love Him and I will manifest myself to Him. Here's the third thing. The third challenge of a godly father is to disciple your children in a godly lifestyle. Jesus taught his disciples. He taught them how to live life. 
He taught them how to face opposition. He taught them how to face uh, rejection. He taught them how to focus on their calling. He taught them uh, principles of the kingdom of God. He taught them keys on how to live. He taught them over and over by example and by teaching. He used life experiences to share with them, but he actually shaped them. He spoke into their life and corrected them. Jesus demonstrated what it is to father to disciple people. He called these people that followed him as disciples. Actually, he spiritually fathered them. So even though he physically didn't have children, spiritually had children, he discipled them and raised them up to become those who would carry his message, his life, to another generation. That's why we're here today. And so a third aspect or challenge of a godly dad is to disciple or to train your children, teach them, and help them walk in a way which is going to build a nation which will honor God. Think about that. Fathers, what time do you spend teaching your children the Word of God? What time do you spend praying with them? Do you have time to find out what's going on in their life? Do you have time to find out what the issues are that they think about? Jesus used all kinds of situations to talk to his disciples. And we use all kinds of situations to talk to our kids, to explain to them about values in life, to point out things that happen and how to handle it. Your kids come home from school. Do you have any idea what has happened to them at school? Do you have any idea what challenges they're facing? Do you have any idea what troubles they're going through? You can only do that if you spend the time with them and find out what's going on by listening and then talk to them. Jesus listened to the disciples talking and then he used it as an opportunity to challenge them, disciple them and train them in how to be fruitful and productive for the kingdom of God. Think about this. So, another aspect. Let's go to number four. Let's have a look at number four. And uh, here's another one. We find it now in John 17 and verse 18. John 17. In fact, John 17 is full of it. But in verse 18 he said, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. So here's another thing that a godly father does. He helps his children discover their purpose and destiny. Helps their children discover their purpose and destiny. Jesus himself, when he was at the age of 12, knew exactly what he was called to do. The Bible says the first words he's uh, recorded as having written, uh, as spoken were, I must be about my father's business, meaning I have the call of God on my life. I have a destiny to fulfill. I have noticed with dads, often there are two kinds of things happen. One is they kind of shape the kids to follow what they never fulfilled. And I know what a tremendous burden that can be. If you have a dream that you've never fulfilled and you try to get your son or your daughter to fulfill it, you'll end up pushing them to something that maybe they're not even wired to and they become deeply frustrated and their life actually becomes a burden for them. The other thing I've noticed among many dads is the tendency to just let their sons and daughters find out for themselves. Oh, well, you know, you choose for yourself. Listen, that's abandoning them. Young men and young women between the age of 13 and 18 need a dad to help them discover the unique calling and to begin to give them direction in what they are called and uniquely gifted in life for. It means you've got to get involved in their education. You've got to get involved in their choices about life. You've got to get involved about what kind of courses they choose and why they're choosing them. And, and you have to look into their lives, see what kind of potential is there and not make one do the same as the other, but find out what's unique to them and encourage them to embrace and fulfill what God wired in them to do. Every one of our children has got different giftings. Every one of them would try to encourage to find and fulfill the unique calling that they have. And that's a godly father does that. 
That's what Jesus did. He, he, in every one of his disciples, he saw the calling in them and he called it forth, empowered them to do it, encouraged them, and then stood behind them to succeed in life. Have you actually thought, dads, about your sons and daughters, about what unique gifting they have? Have you looked at their lives and said, man, I see this in you, you're great at this? The Bible records of Jesus that at the very beginning of his ministry, his father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. He affirmed his sonship, his relationship, he affirmed who he was, and he also affirmed his calling and destiny. Dads, one of the most powerful things you can do is speak words over your sons and daughters. I remember we were in a situation some years ago and, and one dad uh, was dying of cancer, but he, he wouldn't face that he was dying of cancer. And in the end we said to him, listen, you have only got a few weeks to live. Unless there's a miracle, you're going to die. One of the things you owe your children is this, that you take every one of them aside and you speak to them. What you see in their life, what you see in their giftings, and speak words to bless your sons and daughters. That man over a period of time took every one of his sons and daughters in. He had seven children and he spoke into every one of their lives. And subsequently he died, but every one of them wrote down and treasured words from their father which affirmed their identity and their call and their destiny in life. There's something wired into the hearts of children that at the age of 13 to 18, they will seek to connect with their dad, any mum who's the kids come home at around about the age of 12 or 13. They walk in the door. They say, I'm ignore mum. Where's dad? Is dad home yet? It's like they're wired during that season of their life to connect with a dad who will help them discover how to transition into life. What a tragedy that dads abscond. Or I've seen dads and kids got to 16, 17. They say, oh, they finished school. Now they're on their own. How wrong that is. How ungodly that is. They're not on their own. They're about to make a major step into life and one person they need to believe in them and stand with them is their dad, a godly dad that will stand behind them, believe in them and encourage them. You can go high. You can go further. You could do better than that. Come on, you can go. I believe you could make that. That's a godly dad. Godly dad. He'll give you one more thing about a godly dad. And uh, you're getting real quiet now, aren't you? <laughs> I got quiet as I was thinking about this this morning. I got very quiet and shed a few tears as well. Here's number five. Godly dad leaves an inheritance so his children can go further than he did. Godly dad leaves an inheritance so his children can go further than he did. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14 and verse 12. He said, he that believes in me, listen to this, the works I do shall he do and even greater. In other words, he's demonstrating that a principle of God is that parents or fathers lay up an inheritance for their sons, that their sons get a head start and start where the parents left off. What a tremendous thing to be able to start where your dad left off, to get a head start in life. It's really concerned me just to see uh, regular reports now of how uh, parents are starting to just spend up and enjoy all that they've had instead of actually thinking, how can I help my sons and daughters get a head start in life? They don't have to struggle to go right up to where I've got. They can start where I am and go further. Think about that. So a godly father will leave an inheritance that enables his kids to go further than he did. Of course, they won't go further than he did unless they learn what it takes to develop what you've got so you do go further. So it's no just leaving the money. You've got to invest in them 
and show them how to actually take what they've got and invest into it their own life so they can take it and go further. A godly dad leaves an inheritance. That's what Jesus did. He said, the works I did, uh, even more. And this is another thing that Jesus said in John chapter uh, 14. He said this. He said, he said, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you, even the spirit of truth. So this is another thing that Jesus said that he would do. He said not only would his disciples go further than he did, but he said, I will give to you, I'm going to leave you something that's going to help you in life. You think, oh wow, what did he leave? He said, you know how when you've been watching me, you've seen the Spirit of God work through me, you've seen miracles of provision, you've seen miracles of healing, you've seen all kinds of unusual things happening. He said, that was the Spirit of God in me. And he said, when I go to heaven, he said, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to release that same Holy Spirit to you. He will stay with you. He will never leave you. He will teach you. In fact, he will instruct you in the way. He will show you what you've got to do in life. He will be a guide and a friend to you. How we need the Holy Spirit. Say the promise of the Father is the Spirit of God. Now, let me tell you this. We start off in sharing this. We shared that, that fathers are called to be an example or a model of what God is like. A model is just a representation of something. And no matter how good a model you get, the model isn't the real thing. Think about this. You have a model car. Model car's great. may be accurate in so many details, but it ain't the same as the real thing. Give me the real thing anytime. Have a model of a hot rod? It's wonderful. But all to have the hot rod, that's much better. Have a model of a motorbike? That's one thing. Can be really good. But all to have the real thing, that's something else. And so fathers are a model, a representation of what God is like so we might come to the real thing. That we might actually come to know God as a father. So what if fathers fail? Let me just share with you three kinds of dads. And uh, some of you you'll be able to say, well, praise God, my dad was a great dad. Let me give you three kinds of dads. Because often on Father's Day we have kind of mixed feelings about this. Number one, good dads. Good dads share their life, leave uh, wonderful experiences. Perhaps as you think of your father, you think, well, we've had some great memories of my dad, things we've done together, times we've shared, things we've experienced, things he's taught me. How many got some great memories of a dad? Things that did great things in your life. Isn't that fantastic? Well, we need to just appreciate what our dads have done. Some of you would not have a great dad, you've also had a godly dad. A dad who knew Jesus Christ, who knew God, and who wanted God in his life, and he left principles for you. He actually shared with you other things that a, that a person who didn't know the Lord couldn't share with you. He shared with you how to build a relationship with God, how to build godly principles into your family. How many had a dad that was like that? Some have had that. Isn't that fantastic? What a great thing to have a dad who was a good dad and a dad who was a godly dad. But there'll be other dads who have failed. And as I was thinking about this this morning, I was thinking, uh, just as I was waiting on the Lord, just of the number of people here today, and perhaps your dad was not a great dad, and perhaps he wasn't a godly dad, perhaps if you have a look, he maybe failed as a dad. Let me give you some examples of dads who perhaps failed to fulfill what dads are supposed to do. Maybe your dad died when you were young. When dads die, it's, they leave things unsaid. Sometimes when they die, I know my own dad died, he left much unsaid and much undone. And, and it's always a loss. You can't ever get it back. And perhaps some of you here today, when I've talked about fathers and a godly father, when you think about it, well, my dad's died already. And when I think, I actually think there's a lot of things we should have said and should have talked about. If your dad's still alive, perhaps it's the time to think about things you can say and building the relationship you can while you can. Perhaps there's some dads 
abandoned their family. Perhaps there was a child and you were born out of wedlock, conceived out of wedlock. Perhaps a marriage broke down and, and you think about your dad. You think of someone who actually abandoned the family, left them on their own. The Bible tells us God says this. He says, I will never abandon you. So in that respect, the dad failed. Maybe he was overwhelmed with his own problems or issues and couldn't stand responsibility and he walked off. But when a father abandons the family and moves away from the family, there's a tremendous vacuum left in the family. And I thank God for the solo mums here who are doing such a great job, but there's still something that's missing, and he's called Dad. And I want to show you just in a moment what you need to do to just to, to cope with that lack in your life, because you can't get away from it. There's a lack. There's something missing in your life. Mum can never be a dad, but she can show the same kind of spirit of fathering that a dad can, but she can never replace him. So perhaps there's some here today and when we think about dads, you're thinking uh, you've got sadness in your heart. Perhaps there's anger about your dad. Perhaps there's grief. Perhaps there's a sense of just uh, emptiness and loneliness. When dads abandon their family, a young person coming up through the teenage years has got no one to put a hand on their life and say, this is how you ought to walk and this is how you get there. And that leaves a huge feeling of uh, loneliness in life. Some of you today have had that because you've had to actually go out and make it on your own and inside you may know you've made it but inside you've got a lot of issues that you need to sort out. And this is one of the things that's often surfaces on Dad's Day, very, very mixed feelings. Perhaps some dads were distant and disconnected emotionally and relationally. Many dads that come back from the war were like that. Many dads, because of their own upbringing, were like that. Unable to love their kids and put their arms around them, tell them they love them or connect and relate to them. That leaves a gap in your life because what you want is not all the things. I remember being in Singapore one time. We had a meeting of a thousand young people and they had every kind of thing you can imagine. Talk about materially wealthy. But when I asked how many of you have ever had your dad say, I love you, five out of the thousand put their hands up. That means... All those young people, and not one of them, except for those five, had ever had words of affirmation spoken in their heart. I love you. You're of great value. I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'll stand with you. I'll help you. You can count on me. Not a great thing to have a dad like that that says those kind of things, but the reality is so many don't. And of course today, more than ever, it's like that. Perhaps there's some dads that have failed. They're an alcoholic and they've failed the family. Perhaps you're embarrassed about your dad. You got put in prison. Perhaps there's some things the dad has done. Perhaps been abusive sexually or physically or, 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 or verbally. And so today as we think of Father's Day, you're thinking, oh, I've got nothing to be happy about on Father's Day. Listen, you have. Let me just share with you simply some things you can do. Good or bad, your father did leave you a legacy. It's either a good one or it's a bad one or somewhere in between. Maybe it's a bit of a mix. But here's the thing. The model is only to point us to the real thing. And Jesus came to make it known that it's possible for you and I to come into a relationship and call God Father. We don't have to stay locked to disappointments. We don't have to stay locked to things that went wrong. We don't have to stay locked into the disappointments of a family that never really worked too well. We can actually connect with God and start something better for the next generation. I want to share with you some, several simple things that you can do just to make that bridge and that transition. But Jesus came to make it. He came to offer us a hope. He came to offer you a hope. 
came to offer you a relationship with God who loves you and values you, who believes in you, who has a plan for your life. You've got some great things ahead for you. So how are we going to do that? Number one, we've got to, we've got to get rid of some stuff. We've got to get over some stuff. There's things you've got to give away. Give away the anger. Give away the resentment. Give a, if you've got issues with a dad, give it all away. Let it go. Anger and resentment and grief and look into the past, it's going to lock you back there and it'll stop you actually experiencing the things that God has planned for you which are good. So we need to let some things go. So first step, give up some things. Give up being angry. Give up being resentful. Give up being bitter. Give up blaming. Give up all that stuff that's in your heart against a dad who perhaps never had anyone to help him find his way in life either. Number one, give up some stuff. Give up the things that stop you going forward. Second thing, learn to give honor. The Bible says if we will honor our father and honor our mother, it will go well for us in the future and we will have a long life. In other words, there's a promise with honor. Honor is something you give to someone. Honor is a place of value. Honor is speaking words of esteem. Honor is facing gratitude. Honor is giving a place in your life for someone. Maybe they never earned it, but nevertheless, you give it because God says you do it and you'll be blessed. Honor unlocks you from the things where people have failed. Honor makes it possible for you to actually receive from people that you've never received from before. So number one, we've got to give up some stuff. Number two, we need to start to give some stuff. Give honor. Maybe your dad's already died. You can still start to think through how you could actually remember in a positive way things that were good, things that he did which were good. Here's the third thing we need to do. We need to get hold of a relationship with God. You see, our Father on earth is to lead us to a relationship with a Father who is in heaven. That family goes on for eternity. And so, we need to start to get hold of something. How do we get hold of a relationship with God? Jesus said very simply this. He said, whosoever believes in me, whoever receives Jesus Christ, he said he gave him power to become a child of God. A personal commitment to Jesus Christ opens the way for your life to be healed and changed and for you to come to know God and be able to call God Father. What a tremendous thing. And finally, we need to grow up. We need to draw from the new life source we've found and just grow and change. Listen, if you don't change, what you'll do is repeat what was done to you. If we don't change the pattern of negative things coming down and start to embrace and build positive things, we will actually reproduce the thing we saw. I found one of the greatest challenges in my own uh, life and fathering was to come to the realization that things which had hurt and, 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 and wounded me in my childhood, I was starting to repeat in my own family. And when I saw it, I just grieved over it. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And he said, you need to give up some things. You need to let go. And you need to give honor. And one of the things I was able to do my father before he died was to able to tremendously honor him and give him for his 80th birthday, one of the most wonderful experiences he had in his life, all his family around him. And over a whole weekend, we honored him and you could literally feel God's presence in our family and a tremendous healing took place in my life through just giving honor. But more than that, we need to get a hold of God and begin to start to do something about the future. I've been very fortunate with Joyce's family, had a strong Christian family. I was able to see in her dad some things that I could get a hold of to build into our own family life. So it's not a matter of just letting go some stuff. We need to determine we're going to build some stuff for the future. And why do we need to do that? 
because fathers are really needed. And godly fathers build a nation. And we want you to be godly fathers. Young people, perhaps it's not gone so well in your home, don't sort of stay angry and resentful and, and lamenting what you don't have. When Jesus said, listen, I've got so much I want to give you. I want to give you access to a heavenly father. But you've got to get over the lacks and the losses and give honor where honor is due and start to get a hold of what God has for you because his plans for you are great. Why don't we just close our eyes and bow our heads. Maybe there's some here today and just as we've uh, had this time of celebrating fatherhood and Father's Day, for you there are many, many mixed feelings. Perhaps as I've talked for you, maybe you had a great dad or a godly dad, but I know there'd be quite a few here and it wasn't like that at all. In fact, as I've talked, you've just felt the grief in your heart. As I've talked about dads and you realize just what a tremendous ache and a hole in your heart there is. When I talked about what it means to be a godly dad, you realized what a lack I'm experiencing. Well, here's the first thing. For every person here today, there is a Father in heaven who is waiting to welcome you. But to become part of his family requires a commitment. It requires a decision on your part. You were born into this world, into an earthly family, but to become part of God's family, you must be born again. That requires you make a decision to receive God's goodness, God's life, God's love into your heart. It's a free gift to you. When Jesus came into this earth, he came to show how good God is, show how loving God is, how merciful God is, how kind God is. Today would be a great day for you to receive the goodness of God. When you receive Jesus Christ, you receive God the Father's provision for you to come into relationship with Him. When you receive Jesus Christ, give your life to Him, God washes away your sins and your past. You get a whole new start in the family of God. What a tremendous thing for you to experience today. If you've come here today, perhaps family members brought you and perhaps you're a bit reluctant to come, a bit reluctant to get into a kind of church thing. We're not talking about church. We're talking about a relationship so you can call God Father and know He'll never leave you. That know that every day of your life He's waiting and looking for ways to bless you. Every day of your life He's looking for ways to teach you and instruct you. Every day of your life He's looking for ways to correct you from making mistakes. Every day of your life, he's looking for ways to enlarge you so you begin to start to embrace and discover the great things he has ahead for you. And know this, that at the end of your life, there'll be an eternity with him. What a deal. But it starts today with the decision to receive Jesus Christ. I wonder how many people here today, perhaps you've come here today and you have no relationship with God. You say, today's my day. Father's Day, God's going to become my father today. I'm going to receive Jesus Christ. I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to become a Christian today. I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to begin a relationship with God as my father. Just raise your hand today. If there's anyone here, just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I want to become a Christian and receive God's love today. Just raise your hand. Anyone here today? Jesus said this. He said, if you... Confess me before man. Be open and acknowledge. He said, then I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. 
every one of us, the only way into heaven is the same way for us all, that we come God's way and we, we acknowledge Jesus Christ. Is that you today? You're ready to do that today? Come on. Just raise your hand and say, I'm ready to become a Christian. Anyone else today? here today and there's a struggle going on inside you. That struggle is a wrestling for your soul. It's because God is drawing you. That's why there's a struggle. Say, God, today's my day. I want to receive Jesus Christ. Why you raise your hand if that's you? Just do it right now. Raising your hands in acknowledgement that you're responding to Jesus Christ. Anyone here today? Father, I just pray for every man here, Lord, that you would encourage and help and shepherd them to become a great man of God, a great father to the next generation. I pray also, Lord, for others whose hearts have been broken through family experiences, for your anointing to touch them. Just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, wonder today if we've got people here, and when I shared about family backgrounds, which are not the ideal family, the you realize that there's brokenness and issues in your heart that you need to put right. There's things you've got to get rid of, things you've got to get over, things you've got to let go of. If that's you today, why don't you raise your hand and say, that's me. I've become aware of things I need to get rid of. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. God bless, God bless. A lot of young people. God bless. God bless. Oh, and there's others too. Father, I just thank you. I pray, Lord, for your grace to come into each one of these ones that raise their hand today. That, Lord, they would experience how much you love them. And that that love would melt the bitterness, melt the disappointment. And, Lord, they would become great men and women. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to get our musicians up now. We're just going to have a final song. Trust you'll have a fantastic day today. Another service tonight. Encourage you to come along. We'll be praying for people and ministering to people. Have a great Father's Day. A great time together as families. And may the Lord bless you. What have we got for our song to finish with? Uh, Let's just stand together, shall we?